Hello and welcome to episode 71 of the Talking Toro podcast. I'm here as always with my co-host Peter Bourne. Um, Peter, Toro winning Cagliari, looking looking like they might be making a charge to the European places. They've got two favourable games uh, at home to Salernitana and away to Sassuolo, two of the worst um, informed teams, worst record currently uh, in the league at the moment. Uh, and we come away with two points from those two fixtures. Is that good enough? Not good enough. I think this is the podcast. Uh, we're nice guys, Rob. I think it's the one where the gloves need to come off a little bit. Um, it's not good enough. It's it's a very strange situation because Toro have lost two games in 14, which is pretty impressive, really. Um, I, I think we've said before, those two defeats were not really merited either. But uh, I'm going to throw a few stats at you. This is one of the most boring Toro teams I have seen in a long time. I've seen inept Toro teams. I've seen Toro teams who can't create a chance, um, are defensively horrendous, uh, no structure, no fight. This team is different to that, but it is deadly dull. So we scored 21 goals. Um there's only one team in the top five European leagues who've scored fewer, uh, having played a comparatively similar number of games. That's Cadiz in Spain. Uh, there's a few in Germany and a few in France before you pick me up and scored fewer, but they've only played 21 games. All right. Sheffield United have scored more goals than us. Okay. Uh, on the other hand, only Bayer Leverkusen, Real Madrid, Inter and Juve have got a better defensive record. Again, oh, I've Probably a few teams in France. Uh, I think there's four teams in France, and a few of them like clearly have a much better defensive record, but they have played fewer games. 1.7 goals a game in all of our matches is the fewest in the top five leagues. So Torino is the worst ticket in town if, if you define uh, enjoyment by goals. So 41 goals in 23 games, you're getting less than a 1-1 draw statistically. We're so boring. Uh we you mentioned is it good enough two points against uh Salernitana and Sassuolo? No, it is not good enough. But what's even worse is how many shots we've had on target in those two games as well. Completely devoid of ideas. Um my big worry is Juric um is getting increasingly more creative in his press conference than his teams are. Uh he gave a very interesting press conference. I think it was last Monday. He said, if we don't qualify for Europe, I'm off. My concern is, because uh, I've seen this before, uh, the Europe is drifting away. And as soon as it drifts away, what are we going to play for this season? There's, there's a short-termism about Torino. If Juric is off and the players start uh, looking elsewhere, then we're, we've had a, a dull We've had a dull five months of the season. I, I dread to think what the what the remainder of the season will be like. I think we need to, um, as I said, gloves off. I think we need to uh, to get stuck in a bit in this episode. But no, Rob's not good enough. I've had enough. I think just a, just a few points to to go back to there. I think yeah, I think you're right in terms of the the lack of entertainment. I would say maybe a bit of recency bias. I don't think uh, Ventura's teams were were. Particularly swashbuckling, or uh, even Matsari, when we were getting some good results, they weren't. We were never a great team to watch. I, I mean, the only sort of actual watchable, entertaining style of football a manager that that Toro have had has, has been Mihailovic. Um It does remind me a little bit of the end of Ventura's reign, where it's sort of 
he'd had a good spell in, and everybody sort of knew it was going to come to an end. And obviously, Italy came and rescued us uh, by by taking uh, Ventura off our hands. But um, and yeah, potentially uh, what what Juric said in his press conference, I, I always felt. I think I, I mentioned that I felt like that was almost his way of an excuse, almost playing that martyr to say, "Oh well, I've not I've not." succeeded in what I wanted to do so I'm going to leave it gives him a really easy excuse then to leave almost as a hero when really he's done a good he's done an okay job I think I think that's something which we, we touched on last week as well it's it's a past it's an average job he hasn't he was probably under yeah probably underwhelmed a little bit in terms of uh, the potential that the squad has if you look at some of the other teams in the league they're not they're not great um the issue is that you see sort of this weekend anyway, Bologna have a winnable home game, they score four goals. Uh Fiorentina have a win- winnable home game, yeah. they win- they score five, I think. It's like Toro, everything's a struggle, even in the games that they should be winning. Like we've got Lecce coming up at the weekend, which we'll we'll which or on Friday night, which we'll 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 touch on later, I'm sure. But like I can't see us just it being an easy game where the the team would I imagine the worst away record in the league turning up and we just push them aside with, with ease. It's going to be a struggle. And I think that's, that is the worry. We're, we we are getting points. We are, like I say, it's a good record we've got with the two defeats in 14, but like it, the, the strangest thing and, and probably the anomaly and the two most comfortable games we've had during that run have been Atalanta and Napoli, probably the two best teams we faced. So, um, yeah, we're we're a strange side. We're not great to watch. I felt there were plus points at the weekend. Maybe I was um, a little bit more positive than you in some of the aspects of the game. I didn't think we were horrendous. There were a couple of bright spots, which I'm sure we'll touch on. But um, yeah, I'm I'm sort of a little bit resigned to the fact that we're we're playing for that tenth place trophy again. Yeah, I mean tenth tenth place is it says it all of, with my comment about it being boring. I mean, the two anecdotes that I wanted to bring up, uh, one was Ian Wright. Um, so last week on another podcast, uh, Ian Wright described playing uh, away at Torino in the mid, in what it would have been 1993-94 as the best atmosphere or the most hostile atmosphere he's ever played in. Um, and that Torino, uh, that, that era of Torino, Obviously, evoked a lot of of great memories, but that that Arsenal, those Arsenal uh, two legs. Funnily enough, every time I listen to an interview of an Arsenal player from that era, they always bring up the matches against Torino, and it just made me feel a little bit sad that in fifteen, ten, fifteen, twenty years' time, Torino won't be coming up in these conversations because Joe Hart will mention us. Joe Hart will mention us. Yeah, he'll mention what what position did he finish when he played with us? You know. Uh, Probably wasn't far off tenth, was it? Uh, was it ninth? Um, yeah, it is. We're not making memories. And then at the end of the Sassuolo game, which you know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. At one point, I was praying for the Mister to come down so we didn't have to watch it. But there was, um, you know, there's quite a good Torino away support there. There were a lot of young lads um, uh, or young fans uh, who were giving it their all, even in injury time, even when. There wasn't really much hope left. I just looked at them and just thought, yeah, I mean, life will swallow them up soon. They'll have commitments. They, you know, they won't be going to away games. And what will I have to show for it? You know, they'll just they'll 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 have a, their own memories and you know stale beer and uh, 
and, and and coach trips, but the team the team has not given this generation many memories. It's a hard watch, and um, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna lead me on to Cairo a little bit, but um, yeah, it's the, the the not making the not making memories is I find a bit sad. I, just to just play that advocate a little bit, and the just in terms of how the result can sort of totally change the game and the context and things like that. And if the Pats' header in the last second doesn't hit the post and goes in, how differently do we change the narrative on this game? Yes, some of those things remain true. Some of the, the lack of ambition, some of the and lack of entertainment, but something that we've been crying out for this entire team to do for three years in terms of scoring a last-minute winner, we would be sort of start and say oh maybe this is a turning point maybe they're, now they've, they've found out how to can, how to score later on uh, and just that width of a post could literally made all the difference in terms of our attitudes to that result and that performance um, It's I think what's slightly different as well is like, I think I again may have mentioned it previously last week it's not like we're absolutely battering the opposition and really unlucky like other than the sort of so obviously Pinamonte scores Bellanova has the has the beating of Doig really early on, and he sort of gets past him before he he, he then crosses for Zapata. After that, that was almost really the ra- last real chance up until that that ninetieth minute header. It's sort of it's not like we are playing well and just not getting the results in some of these games. Um, uh, even if you look at the two games that we lost against uh, Bologna and Fiorentina, we looked comfortable. We probably didn't deserve to lose the games, but we didn't deserve to win them either. We weren't creating lots of chances. We were comfortable in possession, didn't look that uh, vulnerable uh, defensively, but yeah, one moment totally changed it. And I think that's that's the thing that this team uh, isn't great at. I think it's it's uh, adapting to adversity whilst yeah, equalising so quickly after scoring should have been seen as a positive. This was a Sassuolo team who were there for the taking. That their confidence was pretty low, having literally you'd thought just scored, they'd been on the up to concede so quickly. If we'd have shown that same sort of attitude to get back into the game and, and scored a second straight away, I think I think like I think your prediction was three or four. I think that's where we it would have been heading. At half time, I stupidly thought we'd win three or four one. I thought um, it petered out a little bit, but I thought we would come out. We'd seen enough of the game now to know how to win it. And we were just so flat in that second half. And that's another trait of the Urich era. Is this, we often come out of, from from the halftime break look, looking... We don't look energised. We don't look like we're, we're coming out with um, with a lot of intensity. That last minute, yeah, it might have changed the narrative. You know, we, we would have been... There would have been a slightly different feel to this part, but I think we would have just postponed this conversation for a few weeks. It would have been a bit of an outlier. It wasn't, we weren't really pushing for a late winner. For me, it was quite a telegraph cross and quite a telegraph header. I didn't, I wasn't really on the edge of my seat for it, to be honest. Um, and whether it had been undeserved or we certainly didn't deserve to lose against Sassuolo, but um, no, I mean, I, I don't know where you want to pick up. If you want to pick up first on the Sassuolo game, or if you want to, if you want to kind of pick up on the wider points, um, I mean, maybe maybe we start with the Sassuolo game. I think it was probably one of the better things to come out of it was Josh Doig's performance. Um, uh, Bellanova certainly had the beating on him, and yeah, having not spending six million euros on Josh Doig uh, on based on that performance was um, 
was probably a good thing. That was maybe one of the positives to come out from it. We didn't panic by there. Although it almost is a, as a rival in terms of the two worst players on the pitch probably being the two uh, left <laughs> left backs or left wing backs. Um, Tino Lazaro didn't particularly make himself look like he was um, undroppable uh, in that performance. I think that's yeah, I don't think, like, I totally agree. Doig wasn't wasn't great, um, and I, but I'm not sure how much um, help he was getting from from the much rumoured uh, Taro Target Loriente, who we obviously tried to sign in the summer. It seems that every time it was a one on one with Bellanova, it was almost screaming for his for his winger to come back and help him a little bit, and he was absolutely nowhere to be seen. So I don't know whether in a in a you're rich side where you've got the sort of protection of, of three centre backs and a little bit more defensive cover where everyone I mean that defensive record speaks for itself. People players who are weak defensively um previously don't don't seem to be as exposed at at, at Toro. So yeah, maybe a little bit harsh to to write off Doig straight away. But yeah, it definitely wasn't an impressive performance. No, I mean Lazaro did not play well. Lazaro's not a left wing back. He doesn't have the legs. He doesn't well he doesn't really ever go on his left-hand side. Uh, there's a space about as wide as Mariana Trench uh, for the second game running uh, on, a, on our left-hand side in attack where no one even goes into that space. And to credit Okareki when he came on, whether it was intelligence or whether it was instructions, he was the one player who actually occupied a bit of that space. Uh, I don't know if it's his natural position, but at least we started looking uh, dangerous there. Lazaro, I mean, to his credit... I think he swung in the cross in the five minutes he played on the right-hand side when I would have kept Bellanova on with, with one leg. Um, and then I was a bit confused to bring Vo- to then switch Lazaro and play Voivoda not in his position. I, I don't know. Maybe we've been better off having Voivoda on the right. Um, no, I mean, Lazaro is doing a job that's not his, but this is what winds me up. In the summer, we're going to get 30 million euros Alessandro Bongiorno, unless something strange happens, we know that money is coming in, and we've had months and months to to invest in that role, and we've not done it. It's you really still, frustrating. You still think it will be Bongiorno who sacrificed? Just um, just again, if you look at look at obviously, uh, Cairo was at the game, and then in the sort of um, presidential box, you've got Bongiorno, you've got Moretti, you've got Vagnati. Uh, you've got Barile and and you've got Bongiorno, which isn't the usual place you would see a, a player. Not usually would you see a player attend an away an injured player attend an away game either. I just think I'm not 100 sure Bongiorno's fully sold again on on a move. Um, I think uh, if if Schurz comes back before the end of the season, I think it will be Schurz who we sell, and we'll try and keep Bongiorno for at least one more season. Yeah, but I think one of them is a sellable asset, and if I don't think. The problem with Shears is he's, he's going to play enough football to convince anyone. Um, Premier League, you know, logic and sensible things is something that Premier well, League sort of uh, tend to tend to go hand in there, hand. So there, there, there is that, but even if optimistically we're saying we've got two centre backs worth twenty five million plus, a team finishing tenth does not need two twenty five million euro centre backs. It, the money needs to be invested elsewhere. I'm not even sure. Scherz and Bonjourno bring the best out of each other when they're both playing. Um, only, well, so, only in fact, I mean, that Scherz, Bonjourno, Rodriguez, I'm sure I mentioned before, slowest back three in the history of football. Well, and Ricky was again, he, he, he was <laughs> he, against... He, he knew he was injured. 
and he was injured. He didn't even have to. He didn't even fall over this week. He was. He was off. He's, I've seen enough of this. I'm down the tunnel, and uh, bring on. Uh, bring on philosophy student uh, Adam Lovato. Who, um, Adam Lovato. <laughs> getting my players mixed up. Adam Messina. Uh, talking to press conferences. Uh, Eurotis press conference last week turned out to be only the, the second best uh, Torino because if anyone's listened to Messina's press conference, uh, I thought he came across uh, really impressively. Very eloquent. A very interesting guy. Um, so yeah, the much much blind uh, Mazina may well, may become a very useful player if, if Rodriguez is uh, only managing ten minutes a match. So. And again, yeah, I thought he, I thought he was good as well. One one of the rare brights. I think Bellanova probably you know, the, need to speak a little bit about his performance. He was excellent once again. But Mazina was probably the second best player in uh, in in a Toro shirt. Um, that I, I don't recall him playing left centre back either at Watford or. Uh, Udinese before whether whether he has or not, but he has taken to it very well. He's a tall guy, um, it, just that a little bit of natural quality, I think, as well. It, it's a shame actually because yeah, given Lazaro's struggles and and the way that um, he has sort of settled into it, I'd be tempted to to see him on the, in the left wing back position just to see whether he is able to do anything as a natural left footer that that other sort of squad members haven't been able to. But yeah, I'm um, two games in. I'm I'm going to. Eat, eat humble pie and, and apologise to Adam Messina because yeah, whilst it still wasn't the the signing that we needed or we wanted, it was nothing personal to to the player, and it feels like me making apologies against uh, <laughs> to sorrow players is a common theme on this podcast. But yeah, it was ne- never anything personal. And he's he's proved me wrong already in the in the first two games, even if he sort of goes and has a couple of um, shockers. I think he's 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 shown that he can contribute something to this team and. Um, yeah, with Rodriguez injured, I think it it might be necessary as well because yeah, the the the, the back three is a, a bit of a worry at the moment. I think um, you, yeah, you got you you called him Adam Lovato. I think I'd rather have Demi Lovato play at centre back than Mateo. oh, you've been but, waiting to use that one. Yeah, Lovato the, the oh, again. Yeah, there's a few players I wanted to pick out. Um, Lovato. I didn't think he was as bad as the Pagelli and uh, yeah, a few, a Pagelli few gave him a four. Po- I saw one Pagelli gave him a four point five. That was that was yeah. low. For me, he looked like we've had. He looked like a lot of centre backs we've had in relegation struggles, and that's what he is. He's a lower third centre back based on his career so far. No surprise, he's struggling. I think it's a bit unfair sometimes to expect a player to come in and 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 look polished. Um, he is basically a project. Uh, can we can can we polish him enough for the summer for him to be a you know, to to be a viable first team in the next season? And that evidence getting bullied by what Pinamonte for me is very good Serie B striker, bottom end Serie A striker. But he got he got bullied by him in a way, in a way certainly Bongiorno wouldn't have been. Uh, very sloppy performance. Probably a little bit lucky not to get the second yellow card. Um, but neither him or Sazanov, yeah. I was quite happy to see Lovato in there after Sazanov's performance. And now we probably want to see Sazanov back against Lecce. So it's going to be a bit like that. Yeah, keep playing the other one into the team. I think, yeah. I, I think I, I did to it, I think, during the game when I messaged you, is just sort of, and I, I can identify the issue because I have the same problem. So I'm a tall guy, I'm six foot five. I'm absolutely terrified of heading the ball. And. I feel like that's the problem that Lovato has because, which for me, when I, again, when I play on my, my Sunday evening football matches and I'm up front, it's not really a big issue. I just don't I just don't go anywhere near the ball if it's in the air. 
as a centre back, it's a bit of a prerequisite and a bit of a requirement that you need to. He just seems yeah, I have to check how tall he was because every time it, the ball was in the air, he looked absolutely terrified of it. And he's six foot two. Um whether yeah, maybe maybe he'll get better, but it just looks like he um doesn't relish the physical contact in the same way that Bongiorno does. Um and yeah, in that role, which again is literally a like for like replacement, if you think of the two aggressive centre backs that we've had in that in that role before, Bremo, Bongiorno, um, even Schurz to an extent, it, yeah, Lovato, it's yeah, it's not it's not a great choice between him and Sazanov, but I'd probably be tempted with Sazanov, and that that probably speaks volumes on Lovato's performance. I mean, there were two or three players who have thought uh, stunk the place out on, on Saturday evening. Um, another one for me was Illich. Quite happy to see him back in the side. I do wonder, and uh, not based on Saturday's performance, I do wonder if Illich could do as a job as a left wing back. Um, a, he's got a left foot. Uh, he's got a good delivery. Uh, he's quite tall and strong. You've talked about him possibly playing left centre back in an emergency. Uh, he's not the quickest, um, but I wonder if a coach who was creative. Um, obviously, I mean, Juric sees a lot more of his players than than you and I do, but um, I, I have wondered about trying him there. But uh, Illich was horrendous. Uh, uh, I thought he was really bad on a uh, really disappointing uh, performance where we needed someone to get hold of the midfield. Uh, Tamezli was not much better for me. He's he's kind of regressing week week on week. Um, and I don't know to Paul Ritchie at the team seemed when he's been in reasonable form and having lost Linetti, it felt felt almost like we've changed a bit too much in midfield there. Uh, but um, I'll talk about a few, uh, two other players quickly and then I'll bring over to you. Uh, Tony Sanabria barely had a good good game all season. Sometimes I look at Torino players and think if they weren't at Torino, where would they be? You know, we've got obvious players who have got a move up in them, who've got potential. I don't. I think Torino's a bit of a ceiling for him. I think he's a jobbing mid-table striker. Um, he had a good six months last season when he was the main man. It wasn't exceptional, uh, but it was decent. Uh, he's been a good link-up player. He looked good in that system where we had the, the Trey Quartistas off him for a while. But I saw a few people comment this weekend, he makes the wrong runs, he occupies the wrong spaces. For whatever reason, no one ever identified coming out on, on the left. Uh, we're actually pulling Zapata out of position a lot of the time. Um, I, I don't think Zanabri and Vlasic can play together. I think they just try and do the same thing too often. Um, and I wonder if I wonder if the future for the rest of the season might be Zapata and Okereke. Um Vlasic for me was actually okay. Uh, he was one of the more progressive players. Uh, at least he can take a shot from outside the box, which is something that often seems prohibitive uh, or prohibited uh, under Juric. But, um, and the other play, I'll just pull out this. Uh, my daughter, actually, six-year-old, youngest daughter, who, I've, you know, she's not a football expert by any means yet, but um, she commented on something I've not, <laughs> I've not seen anyone else saying. Um, Vanya, she said the goalkeeper was bad, and he was. I mean, I've not seen him have much criticism from that, but I don't know what time zone he was in, but I couldn't believe it when that hit the back of that. I was, yeah. I think it's. I think he got. I think he got a bit of a pass in the kind of everyone, everyone falling asleep after Zapata's goal. But yeah, I think potentially it was the the trap, the third error in, of the move. Lazaro gives gives the right back the 
well, the kingdom of Sassuolo to, to although it, that's not where the game is played, but I will let that slide. Um, yeah, gave him the kingdom of the, of the pitch, gave him a lot, so much freedom to pick his cross and, and get that in. Lovato had the um, cheek to blame Bellanova um, for uh, allowing the, the centre forward uh, to have the free header. Um, so, yeah, and then obviously, yeah, he, he goes down in instalments. He's a, he's a big chap, but um, yeah, I think he, you would be you would expect him to save it. I think, like say, because maybe he's had some good games and or I say good games. I think part of the thing why with defensive um, scheme works so well is we don't actually get a lot of chances against us. Vanya doesn't have to sort of bail us out that many times. So it's we're almost keeping clean sheets uh, in spite of Vanya, not because of him. Um, but yeah, it was very similar to the. Um, Overhead Who did they say was it? Oh, yeah, yeah, and last season the overhead kick at the Empoli game that I was at was at Destro, um, yeah. where it's just inside the inside the post, and it just it just looked really uncomfortable. A good goalkeeper saves it, and um, Vanya is probably on that precipice of still not quite sure if he is a good goalkeeper or not. Um, does look good the pitch, in the pre-match yeah. photos there. Yeah, well, I, I was we could say yeah, I'll let you comment. Up, yeah, the pitch didn't help. It the pitch was quite heavy. Um, uh, it took us a while to move away from playing quite risky back passes to him as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, he did look good in the in, with his spectacles in the pre-match, Rob. If that's what you were, you were getting at, but just um, yeah, and just, just quickly, I know you touched on it as well. But Okareke, I thought he had a very good cameo and and probably reinforced my belief that I don't understand why he wasn't given ten, fifteen minutes against Salonatana the week before. Um, they say I occupied that space on the left hand side, just looked a little bit threat, looked just a bit lively, just looked like he actually wanted to be there. And um, yeah, whether it was maybe speaks speaks a little bit about Sanabria's performance as well. But yeah, Kareke came on and looked like a thirty million pound striker just because he was doing things and 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 occupying spaces and looked hungry to um, to score. I, I thought out of anybody on the pitch in that second half he looked most likely to, to score and yeah I hope maybe he gets a, a chance against Lecce from the start Yeah I thought he carried the ball quite well I thought even he after about 15 minutes kind of got absorbed into the media, the mediocrity but no it was a good cameo it was quite positive I thought he, him and, and um, Mazina uh, did well um, but I mean it was a 5, 6 out of 10 performance it's just you know Sassuolo's talisman is in the stands, Berardi, who I'm not a huge fan of, but he's their best player. He wasn't there. They've got no confidence. Um, Dionisi is one game away from the sack. He'll probably get sacked when uh, they play Atalanta next weekend, I think. Um, We couldn't get out of third gear against them. There were no fans there. Um, It was a a horrible kind of atmosphere. It was just... uh, I don't know. It was just... It felt like a COVID game until you saw the Toro fans on behind behind the goal. Um, I don't know. It just felt like you know it's the least hostile away game you're going to play against the opponent really struggling. And I just it was so disappointing that I don't know if it's we can't. I just not sure we can get out of third gear. That's my big worry is we have now constructed a squad where there's no creativity, there's very little pace, uh, the very few kind of. Play, players who are anything but functional. Um, just yeah, just a word for the um, pass the parcel on the captain's armbands. Um, uh, well, this, but, this, so this Rod- is what Rodrigo, Rodriguez goes off, and then yeah, the two 
probably speaks volumes again for the the lack of leadership in this team and the lack of options as a as a, a vice captain. So you get then get Tony Sanabria, who's out, who's in terrible form, not going to be somebody you could probably get to listen to if he's having a go at you. And then it goes to Vanya. Um, I probably thought I thought Gigi should have been in with a shout. I board. thought I think Gigi has. I was surprised. I think Gigi's been captain before in a similar situation. Yeah. I don't. I mean, I don't much care. It's just yeah. When I saw. Yeah, I just thought the um, the sign was a kind of you know, low energy, um, in kind of Sanabria as as captain just said it all really. Um, I just think I, I think sometimes as this maybe is what this Tyro team needs is almost just somebody who I try to think of a, a of a comparable player, but somebody who doesn't even need to be the best, but even just shows that little bit of passion on on the on the pitch and uh, maybe just gives a little bit back to players who, who aren't performing and a little bit of leadership and I think that's one of the things that is missing there's, there's technical aspects there's um sort of physical aspects as well in terms of lack of pace but also just that mental side of things you never actually think like in the last 10 minutes who's who's gonna say actually come on lads we can win this like there, there is none of those players in the in the past you'd have had you sort of your Gatsies, your Vivas's, your Moretti's, who potentially would be able to do that. Um, yeah, I don't think it... Yeah, you're not going to... You know, Sonic is not going to lead you to um, to a very passionate speech, a gladiator-esque speech, is it? No, no. Um, indeed not, Robert. Uh, I'd like to talk a bit more about Urich um, and Taro before we get on to Lecce, but I think let's break this up with a with a with a nice bit of Toropedia. Okay. Difficult to to do um Toropedias for you, Peter, because as 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 we mentioned, you have a, got a very good knowledge of Toro, but potentially may have found one, so let's try. So um two thousand to two thousand and three Pro Patria, thirty four appearances, zero goals. 2003 to 2008, Albino Lefe, 128 appearances, three goals. Uh, alone to Udinese, four appearances, zero goals. 2008 to 2010, Torino, 33 appearances, one goal. 2010, alone move to Triestina, 10 appearances, zero goals. 2010 to 2012, Regina, 50 appearances, two goals. 2013, Navarra, 17 appearances, zero goals. 2013 to 14, Citadella, Citadella, almost a Freudian slip, 23 appearances, zero goals. 2014 to 2016, Salernitana. 61 appearances, four goals. And then his career goes full circle as he ends in Pro Patria, 2016 to 2022, 138 appearances, 10 goals. Wow. Yeah. I'm trying to make a note of all of that. It's quite a long career. Um, the stats say fallback to me. You quite steady. He's often managed to play, not scored many goals, but scored a few goals. That Torino period, I mean, it was a lot of um, 
we had a lot of players then. Um, I'm gonna have to think about this one. Um, I have someone in mind, but I think they played for a. I was expected. I was expecting to see another team on this list. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna have to lock lock my mind into that kind of uh, well, 2008 to 2010. There was there was a relegation in there, wasn't there? This was actually before the supermarket on the first supermarket under Petraki. Actually, I'm kind of distracted. Right, so this player would have played. I think. 33 and 1. Bit of Serie A in there. Um, the Tommaso Vailati era. Um, yeah, this is a good one. This is a good one. So we'd have bought someone from Albino Aleppo. Did we sign him from Albino Aleppo? Yeah, 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 I think he would have had a, a loan spell at Udinese, but yeah, the Senegal transfer would have been from Albino Aleppo. Okay. I'll give you a clue. It's not Andrea Bellotto. No, I got that far. Um, all right, well, let's... I've not, not mentioned uh, him so far in the pod, and he did score, so I felt like I needed to. There you go, Belotti bingo. All right, well, it's playing the, the winner from Nikola Vlasic in last year's home game against Lecce. Oh, I, I actually realised Lecce's the team Juric always beats, so, well, that will know that change on Friday. Let's play a bit of Vlasic, then we'll um, we'll talk more, a bit more about Juric and Toro and, and, and leading to Lecce. See you on the other side. See you then. Play forward up. It's a good through ball to Vlasic. He just can't stop scoring at the moment. Nikola Vlasic breaks the deadlock at the Olimpico Grande Torino. Hello and welcome back to part two of the Talking Toro podcast. For the break, I um, teased Peter with uh, this week's Toropedia. Um, didn't seem too confident and... Um, yeah, just off air, he doesn't st- still doesn't look too confident. But you got an answer at all for us, Peter? If you gave me half a ta- half an hour in a pub with a bag of nuts and a pint, I think I could chip away at this. But this is one where, yeah, eight to ten, we were bouncing between Serie A and Serie B, so I can't quite make out where this player would have made most of his appearances. We had a lot of dross in that period. I think this is probably a fullback or a defensive midfielder. Uh, his career, yeah, you know, looked like he's a Serie B player. A lot of appearances at Albino Lefe. I think I would have seen this player play at Albino Lefe. That's the only thing I'm kind of hanging on to. Um, at first, my first guess would have been Filippo Antonelli, who I think you met when you went to Venice, but I think he played for Venezia. But it's that type of character. The one goal, I'd like to think I always remember players who scored the goal for Toro. Um Rob, not only a, yeah, not only Toro have let me down. Um, at least, yeah, you didn't win the, you didn't get the Sassuolo prediction no, correct. That is true. One thing, but I, I think this might be one of the. I think it's the first time you stumped me, but it's really, it, sure, it is a rarity. I'm not sure. I have a guess. Not so, sure. Yes. No. You you will kick yourself. I, okay, I did think I thought you were, you'd mentioned some names up there, and I thought you were just about to get it, Ricardo Colombo. That yeah, that is exactly the profile I was thinking of. Yeah, uh, terrible fullback, terrible fullback. I think I was thinking of someone called uh, Francesco Carboni. I think his name was who played a few seasons earlier. Similar profile. Yeah, I can see him now. Gel black hair. 
Yeah. Yeah. Left it left in 2010 after the uh, infamous David Michele birthday party. Uh, yeah. And literally in the on the Wikipedia article, it mentioned. Unfortunately, listeners weren't privy to this conversation, but Peter almost name checked every player <laughs> who was transferred <laughs> after this event. So, uh, Di Loviso, Colombo, Imo Diana, Marco Pisano, Francesco Pitali, and Paolo Zanetti. Uh, Marco Pisano is another one, but yeah, I think it's to my credit. I don't remember him. So yeah, I, I unfortunately, that. unfortunately, this is around the sort of time 20, 2009, 2010 is probably when I sort of first started um, taking my sort of fandom of, of Toro super seriously, even though we were in Serie B. Um, and yeah, I do, I do recognise, um, and yeah, remember, haunted by um, the face of Ricardo Colombo on some on some days. But yeah, if we think our fullbacks are bad now. We do almost need to remember that less than fifteen years ago they were they. Were, a lot, lot worse. That uh, I might take Marco Pisano now on the left hand side, <laughs> but oh dear! All right, should we talk a bit? Let's talk a bit about uh, Toro. It's, um, so, Juric, you, there was a rumor. There's a rumor going around about Juric and, and Toro's future coaches. So, um, you share it. Yeah. So, I just read an article on Twitter Sport from today. So, yeah, maybe take that with a pinch of salt, but. It is linking Juric with a move to West Bromwich Albion of the Championship, Southampton's opponents on Friday. So um, I think this is for the summer. I think they, there's talk that they might be getting a takeover, which again, any any West Brom fans who are aware of this and might know if there's any substance to this uh, link, then please let us know. But I think, um, yeah, I don't think this is anything which would, would happen now. It would be in the summer. And yeah, I think Juric is definitely... Uh, got the sort of it, it feels like he's given his notice for a job and I think if things like you say if things do get a lot worse and maybe you do go on a spell where Europe's out of the question and it's sort of everybody knows that that Europe is off I wouldn't be too opposed to even just sort of saying goodbye and just letting a sort of even Moretti or somebody take over as a caretaker and just sort of maybe try and get us a little bit of sexy football in the last couple of weeks before the end of the season um, the links the rumoured names <laughs> For the post uh, post Juric era, which the sport also provided, aren't particularly ones that jump out as being particularly exciting. When the best name on the list is is Reno Gattuso, you probably got uh, a little bit of concern. So yeah, um, Re- uh, rebranded Torino Gattuso. Yeah, yeah, yeah uh, Torino Gattuso, and then you've got um, linked is Raffaele Palladino. I think he'll probably have a, a number of clubs who might be interested for him again. Yeah, don't, not a massive fan of. Um, Paladino, maybe because of his his gobo past, um, facially looks a little bit like Ricardo Colombo as well. Um, then you've got uh, Dionisi, who's about to get sacked at Sassuolo, you would think. So that seems like a bit of a strange link. Uh, and then, but based purely on the fact that he was born in Turin and I believe previously played for for Toro, is uh, Andrea Sotil, um again, who's just been sacked at Udinese. So it's not like these are um, really um, interesting links, or or they've been particularly well thought out. I think I'm still I'm still holding out my hope. I know Peter's not a massive fan of this, but Toro have got a a, a good a good record of bold coaches or bold uh, players, and Marco Rossi, fresh from um, a sort of last round of sixteen exit from the European Championships with Hungary, returns to club football and returns to Turin. Uh, Marco Rossi would be up there in terms of my um, choices for a coach, especially based on that list. I'd, I'd, yeah, 
I'd go for Marco Rossi. Um, throw a curveball, Peter. Jose Mourinho. We could take him. We haven't, didn't we just start this pod by saying that we were the dullest team in Europe? Uh, how, I mean, how, how dull could he make Toro, who actually don't have any great attacking players, seeing what there, he does teams with great attacking players? There's, so. his, there's the challenge. It was... Uh, but, but no, you, that lit. You do say that, but I do think he, there's something about actually like having... We played on the count, like we played in the counter attack and uh, uh, Ventura. We played on the counter attack and uh, um, and the Masari. Not having the ball doesn't immediately lend itself to attractive football. I'd, actually, I think we probably take, we'd, we'd score a lot more goals than we would in the Urich. I'd take Klopp over Mourinho. I know you're not a fan, but um, I uh that no there's a few things to break down yeah West Brom is interesting because we know uh the Yurich's musical taste so he would be in the heartland of uh the music he loves so uh, might not all uh there might be something there uh obviously yeah I mean it would be uh West I guess West Brom an outside chance promotion but a championship job I think it would probably have to be quite, be quite pretty well harsh paid. if um Carlos Corbin gets him promoted and then they sack him though yeah, well, I mean, that, that kind of thing has happened. Your list there just feels like, yeah, Gattuso is the uh, the Grinter option. Uh, Paladino, I don't think, would go down too well with the fan base. He's another Gasparini disciple. Uh, not sure. I'm not sure his monster team are that different to Yurich's Toro. I don't think there was a great watch. Um, uh, Sotil, absolutely not. I will... Um, I will um, not renew the season ticket I don't have if that happens <laughs> and uh, yeah no absolutely I don't like Sotil I don't like the way he comes across I don't rate his record um, I just yeah I think you also want a certain you want your you want your coach your head coach is kind of your figurehead you, you want a certain personality to be your head coach it's not Andrea Sotil and I don't want him bringing his son with him either and um, who was the other who was the other uh, Marco Ross. Marco Ross. Mar- yeah, Marco. that's 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 not from Tuesday Sport. That's oh, Dionisi. I mean, Dionisi would be a disaster. So, yeah, you know, Urich, please uh, sign on for another couple of years. All is forgiven. <laughs> I, mean, I was just going to, yeah, I was going to put it out there. Um, the last 20 years, Rob, we're talking about making memories. I think under Cairo, we, we did a podcast a few weeks ago about the sales. We've been really good at selling players. Um, we're pretty stable as a club. We keep finishing tenth, and we have Bill Bow uh, as the memory. Apart from that, two promotions, one relegation, one derby win. Never beyond the quarterfinal of the Coppa Italia. We finished seventh twice. I think both occasions we got into Europe because uh, Palmer and Milan had financial issues. Um, we should have got into Europe last season, finishing not eighth, but that would have been because Juve had issues. Uh, we finished ninth three times. We haven't finished above tenth if we don't do it this year in five years. It's just so. It's quite dull. I I, I know we've we've talked about it. we've been in worse positions. We've been relegated. We've had financial mess. But do you think Cairo can take Toro any further? Let's forget Urich for a second because you know Urich seems to have just stopped pushing buttons and. Uh, he said something quite interesting after Sassuolo. I mean, he says things interesting all the time, but he said he thinks the players believe in Europe. He's not sure about the club. And I'm not sure what point that comment should have come four weeks ago. Why has it come now? What the club going to... He might think that, we might all agree, but it seemed to be in perfect synergy. And I don't know what he meant in that comment after the transfer windows closed. Yeah. Very strange. 
I, you know, I do wonder if are Juric and Van Yatti not good enough, or are their hands tied? But I, uh, you know, this malaise, the malaise, how I felt on Saturday evening felt for felt for a long time, and it's just uh, I don't be careful what you wish for, but I think it's time. Hey, yeah, everyone involved, you're taking this club as far as you can, um, and we need something new. I think it's um, peak peak Juric really to. And it seems like I'm having a bit of a go with him, but I think he does. He he plays a good game in terms of the media. He plays a good game in terms of, or tr- usually trying to to say what Tory fans want to hear. But I don't think he. I think he wants to leave. I think he's more than happy for um, Cairo to not invest in the squad in in the transfer window because otherwise we could have accidentally qualified for Europe and he might have had to stay. Um, because I think from a personal level, a personal level. He's not going to get a opportunity of coaching, given the job that he's done at Toro. He's not going to go into a, a job at a similar level where the team's already in Europe. So he probably would have wanted to see that through. Um, essentially, that could have been a, a disaster, to be honest. But um, I think I understand the point. I think there is an argument if there's somebody who, if there's somebody out there who can take the, who can have a have a go and and take this team on from Cairo, then more than happy for that to happen um, but there's nobody it's not like there's a big queue of investors this isn't a great time for um, sort of people to invest money with not lots of money around in Europe European football even in, in the transfer window even big Premier League seat slides financial fair play and similar it's not like you can just go and spend 50 million have a big takeover and then spend 100 million we can do that but we're not going to play any European football because but- we'd be we'd be banned what do you think, Cairo? You know, on on Saturday evenings, Cairo, Bagnati, Moretti, Barile—they're all sitting there. They sit there every match, looking rather ashen-faced most of the time. What Cairo, especially like fifteen, ten? Well, it's not you know it's, the first ten years there was a certain amount of jumping between the leagues. So we've had stability for seven, eight years. You, you must sit there, wait at Sassuolo, and think you can't think that's entertaining. You can't. He's he, he's got to think that. You know, he's surely must be able to identify all this time. This keeps repeating, keep repeating the same mistakes. That either, you know, it's we're not asking for 20, 30 million euros of investment. We're asking for um, some intelligent um, scouting um, and some and improving the squad at every juncture. We just don't do that. And this, this, it's clear what we need to do this season. And we've just, we've basically signed off and we're not doing it. I think, I think and, we're as fans, how can we, how can we invest in it? Why I should think, we invest in it? I think it's important to remember as well, that we are only three seasons, three years away. Juric is three seasons. We, we, we very easily should have been in Serie B. Like we, we'd uh, lost 7-0 at home to, uh, to Milan. Uh, we were in a bit of a dire straits. It, it, if it wasn't for the the Simi goal uh, for Benevento, I think uh, against Benevento for Crotone, I think we would have been relegated. Uh, like we, Benevento would have gone into that game knowing that I think a point would have kept them up uh, at home to Toro. Would would that Toro of that of that season be able to deal with that pressure? I don't think so. We then obviously go on to Lazio and manage to save save ourselves effectively thanks to a missed penalty. This is a team who. Yes, it's been depressing that we've finished 10th for two consecutive seasons and look like we're going to be finishing 10th for a third year. 
But yeah, we are only a couple of seasons away from being relegated. And look at you look at Sampdoria now that they're in trouble of potentially being relegated again in Serie B. So this isn't something which I think I think the next I think Curry's maybe got one chance after Juric. I think let's 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 say we're not going to qualify for Europe this season. Juric will leave. This is the opportunity then, like you say, to get rid of Vagnetti, get rid of um get rid of Juric, bring in a new sporting director, bring in a new catch, a uh, new coach, and give them a three year cycle. If we don't qualify for Europe within those three years, then I think what you're feeling now will be I think a lot of Toro fans have already uh, are already fed up with Caro. I'm I'm of that aspect where be careful what you wish for. It's not like there's other options out there. If again, I think I I do genuinely think if somebody came in offering to sort of financially invest in the club, be stupid for Caro and not to turn that down. I just I I I hold a little bit responsible of the sort of lack of sort of signings and some of the reinforcements that we've made not fully paying off. I do hold that at Vagnetti's door. Um, I know obviously Cairo is not going to be paying big wages, not going to be paying big sort of uh, agent fees and things like that. But it's sniffing out opportunities that Petrecki was good at. Um, Joe, would Joe Hart have ever come to Toro under Vagnetti? Not in a million years. I don't think he would have that sort of idea of, oh, okay, there's an opportunity here for a goalkeeper where the the parent club are going to subsidise the majority of the wages. That just doesn't seem to be um, on his his note. It, in his sort of way of thinking, he he has a little, he's got a little pocket notebook, which has got all the history of players who've ever played for Spallion. And then he's got some players who he had loan on loan previously, 10 years ago. Um, and then he goes into his hotel room and watches highlights of Cremonese games from last season. And that's how Vanyati seems to do his, um, his scouting, unfortunately. Well, yeah. he, I mean, it, it, look at Urlos Kabic, who comes in, um, from from Red Star and the final day of the window doesn't even make the squad for the game at the weekend and we call up two players from the Primavera. Now obviously that's a low cost deal, but I don't think I think we, we discussed how many minutes he's gonna play this season. I mean, judging by that, he might not play at all. And it's just it's sort of things like that. Even just use that little bit of, of money uh, like in terms of doing why why get rid of Caramo if you're only gonna bring in a player who's actually not gonna offer anything to the squad. Um, yes, maybe maybe Cairo does tie his hands a little bit financially, but some of the signs just haven't paid off. And I think it's a, it, I think you've got to, all, everybody's got to take their fair share of responsibility as to why this this team's probably not where it should be, and, and as a as a squad as a whole, as an organisation as a whole. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we can keep using. I agree with you, and yeah, I'm I'm very reluctant for Cairo to sell to someone. Um, who we don't know what their best intentions for the club would be. But I think I'm not necessarily t- even talking about selling. Uh, 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 the relegation thing is true, and I think that's correct. for the. F- I was never frustrated, really, in the first two seasons under Juric. Uh, I didn't find it boring. I found that we didn't take opportunities in the second season. Um, but I don't think that washes in the third season. I think we have a platform to build on, a pretty stable platform. Um in terms of structure of the club, squad of players, we're far enough away from the crisis of clubs. Serie A is going to stay there, let's say, at 20 teams for a while. It makes it easier for us to stay in the division. And I think whenever we get to this building block stage, it was the same under Mazzari. We qualified for Europe with a threadbare squad. And 
Um, it was a dispute all summer where we basically refused to hire a director of football. Um, and then with one day of transfer window left, we spent 25 million euros on Simone, Simone Verdi. Uh, no planning, no structure. And then that sowed the seed for the next few seasons and the decline because we didn't build from position of strength. I think last summer, position of strength, stability under Urich, let's go forward. And I think what, what we're seeing now is we're talking about, I think if a new coach comes in, it has to be a new sporting director as well. Um, but yeah, to be continued. Uh, let Jay, nil-nil, 1-1. One, one. Well, it, it worries me a little bit just how bad Lecce's away record is. I didn't realise that until uh, until the weekend's game against Bologna, which weirdly they yeah they looked like they were sort of almost in some of the away games. They haven't won away from home all season, um, so that's. Um, can we agree, can we agree? There's no hiding place for Europe if he doesn't win this. I mean, if you can't get three points against Salernitana, yeah. who have barely got a point all season. A bottom of the league, just sat their coach. Um, you know, if we'd beaten Salernitana a point in Sassuolo, you live with, but those two drop points should have been, we sh- should have made us hungry at, um, on Saturday evening. You can't be drawing and losing this game to Lecce. I mean, that'll, that'll, do, that'll be the ultimate seal. Um, um, you know, I don't I don't personally believe we'll, we'll qualify for Europe. I don't actually think we're good enough. Um no, I, I agree. I agree. I don't think we're as much either. as anything, I think we've probably down. I mean, Bologna have just gone and smashed eight goals in two games against opponents um, against uh, Sassuolo and our next opponent, Lecce. Let's see how many we get. Um, yeah, and I don't think I think it, it's quite it is quite a, a tough ask. You need to you almost need to do like a a, a Bologna where yeah they've had a little bit of a dip, but they are winning a lot of games that they probably are expected to. Um, whereas I think our issue this season, which has probably been a bit different from from previous campaigns, is that we are winning the games that we probably wouldn't be expecting to, and then we're we're dropping points as well in, in games that have previously been a bit more winnable. Um, yeah, I think I think we need to win. If if we've got even like you say, it's not about qualifying for Europe as, as much as that would be nice. It's just to be in with a chance of qualifying for Europe until the last couple of weeks of the season. If we well, again, if we don't win this game, we're we could potentially be, let's say, even seventh. We could be seven points off um, seventh place, which, yeah, it already looks a little bit um, too far to to sort of make up. Um, yeah, Lecce lost their last four away games. Like I say, hadn't haven't won uh, away all season. I think they've only won one in their last eight. Um, they've yeah lost their last five away games. Apologies. Um, they've only scored in one of those, and that was against Genoa. Um, yeah, I. Yeah, I mean, for for I me, hope... Lecce, they are. Yeah, they are in grave danger. Um, I think a point suits them; it stops their rot, and we're really easy to get a point against. So come and park, come and park your bus, um, and get a point. Um, I, I think we'll win one nil. I think it'll be an own goal. Um, and it'll be another another dull match, but at least it will at least it will give us some encouragement. I guess. I just, I've, I've... If, if if we don't win this, I just really worry about where the season's going. I mean, the crowds will dwindle. Um, you know, not only not many people are going to come for no ambition and no entertainment. Put it that way. And I've got I've got another horrible horrible feeling that we are somehow going to um not win the game so 
Uh, I've, I'm going to go for 1-1. One, one. Okay. All right. <laughs> Real positive pod for everyone. <laughs> We're sorry about this. Um, but yeah, we got we we got the gloves off a little bit. Uh, maybe not as much as it would have been had we done one on Saturday evening. That's for sure. But um, anyway, let's keep the European dream alive, um, and let's let Europe make us all look stupid. Um, and let's hope, yeah, and, let's hope for a win and an entertaining game against Lecce. And yeah, and and the th- yeah, the thing is, it, look, we we play Lecce and then we've got four games against direct European rivals. We've got Lazio, Roma, Fiorentina, Napoli. Um, if we win that, it gives it gives us a little bit of form and a little bit of positivity going into that game four. Yeah, if we lose or draw, then yeah, I, you hate to think potentially could lose all four of those games, and by mid March we're um, we might not even be tenth. So. No, well, dear, they won't be complaining about relegation. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> being miserable about the days when we could finish these finished tents. But anyway, Rob, uh, thanks for the therapy session, and I uh, hope it's been useful for everyone else. For tomorrow, for tomorrow.